GB podcast with Hannah Cockcroft, Beijing 2022. Hello, I'm Hannah Cockcroft, and welcome to the Paralympics GB podcast series, in which I'm chatting with fellow athletes to find out exactly what it takes to be a Paralympian. We'll be hearing about their incredible experiences and unique insight. In this episode, my guest is Hugh Niblo. Hugh, a wheelchair curler from I'm probably going to get this wrong. Stranraer, close, won world championship bronze in 2017 and silver in 2019, but doesn't mind admitting that his only competitive outlet before taking up wheelchair curling was Domino's. Hugh, welcome and thank you for being my very first guest. I'm going to admit that I'm actually a little bit nervous, so be nice to me, please. <laughs> yeah, of course I will, and I'd like to clarify: Domino's was the actual game and not competitive eating. <laughs> I think we're going to have to go into the dominoes in more detail. How does dominoes lead to wheelchair curling? How does it all fit together? Please tell me. Playing dominoes in a pub and the wheelchair coach in Stranraer came up and asked me if I fancy trying wheelchair curling. So I said, yeah, sure. So being in a pub playing dominoes did somehow lead to me being a Paralympian. So it's uh, probably not the start that most Paralympians have had in life. So... I'm kind of I'm pretty unique. Well, that's very unique. Million dollar question: Which is a better sport, dominoes or wheelchair curling? I mean, are we ever going to see para dominoes as a a sport? <laughs> para dominoes would be warmer, but uh, the wheelchair curling's a bit more exciting. I would actually, I'd probably make myself favourite for the para dominoes world title. Uh, I was actually decent at dominoes. The confidence, I like it. Oh <laughs> uh, well, you had to be good because there's so many arguments. I've never seen so many fights about something so silly as dominoes in a pub. It, it, it carried away at times, but uh, yeah, it's a much more sedate and the wheelchair curling world. For anyone who, like me, has limited knowledge of curling, can you? It's quite a challenge. Explain to me wheelchair curling in thirty seconds. I'm probably not going to time it. Good. Uh, you're basically trying to get. The closest to the bun at the end, that's the centre of the rings. You're trying to have the stone closest to that. But it's tactical, so some stones look like you're not even trying to get close to it, but it's because you're setting up a strategy to try and make multiple stones. Uh, so it's it's a bit confusing to start with, but I guess at the end of the day, it's the one that gets closest to the bun. It's probably the easiest way to explain it and... The tactics will sort of come to light after you've got to watch it. So you have to keep watching it and keep watching it and keep watching it and enjoy it. So what you're saying to me is people just need to watch every game that you play in Beijing and then, like me, they will be absolute pros at wheelchair curling. That's what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. That's what I've watched a lot of curling over the years and I just wing it now. So it looks like I know what I'm doing. So I would say just keep watching curling. Just keep tuning in. Tune into all the great coverage Channel 4 is going to have and it'll be great. So tell me about that first time you went along to play wheelchair curling. Were you hooked instantly? What drew you to the game? I mean, aside from a little invite, which I know we all got, but, you know, I've tried millions of sports and wheelchair racing was the one for me. So what made you think, yeah, I I probably want to keep doing this? Yeah, uh, when I was younger, I used to play rugby and football and then I got MS and... So it led to me being in the wheelchair and living locally in Stranraer or Stranraer. Uh, I was so uh, there was a lack of sports and Domino genuinely was the actual only competitive output in Stranraer. So being asked to go along to try wheelchair curling, I was definitely up for it. Stranraer is quite quite famous for curling. Uh, we've had quite a few big names come out of Stranraer with curling. So 
getting in there and getting into the rink. And then the first time on ice and throwing stones, it was just like, no, nah, I want to hit that button. I want to hit that button. So it kept you coming back for more and more until you get better. And then you hit it once and I should have probably retired at that point. And then, <laughs> so you hit that the once and it's like, yeah, okay, I'll try and do it again. And then it takes you another 300 shots to get it again. So, but hopefully it won't take me 300 shots at the Paralympics to get it right. Yeah, we might be in a bit of bother. Yeah, I hope not. Yeah, we might be in a wee bit of trouble. So, uh, yeah, no, it's just that. And the camaraderie and the friendships as well, meeting new people and things. So that got me going back down to the ice rink in Stranraer time after time and then led to me getting into the national squad. Easy as that. That's how it's done, guys. Just just love what you do. It's something I always say, you know, like once you're hooked, you're hooked, aren't you? But, I mean, that mental side of you hit it once and then it could be another 300 times before you hit it again. That must be so tough to just keep going. One of my goals for like seven years was to break 17 seconds in 100 metres. It took seven years and I literally got to the point where I was like, you know what, not not humanly possible, not going to happen. Um, I feel like you've, you've got to be pretty mentally tough to just keep going and believing that this stone's going to be the one. Yeah, uh, still, still try to get that perfect one to one day but uh, yeah no it is quite it is draining but at the same time it wasn't as if I'd loads of other things to do at the time so it was quite good and Stranraer the ice rink the Northwest Carlton and Stranraer are brilliant and the ice was pretty you pay for a card at the start of the season practice ice card so you get loads of ice in there so I was able to go back and get shoots ice all season and got better and then started playing with some of the able body teams and I've got my able body club that I play with. So then curling's good because you can play. You don't just need wheelchair curlers. You can just integrate with everything. So they were really good. And there's a few people that have been at high levels in the past telling me how to do things and telling me tactics and things like that. So it was good. So it's, I eventually realised it wasn't just about throwing a stone. There's a wee bit more to the game, but it was good. It was exciting. And yeah, I enjoyed it. And the journey's been pretty good so far. I actually really like that it's, it's integrated and that you get involvement with the embodied side. That's something that wheelchair racing definitely doesn't get. Do you know any of the Olympic curlers that have uh, just done our country proud? Yeah, I know them all. Uh, we all train in the same place in Stirling and three of them are from Stranraer. Uh, Hamel McMillan and Bobby Lamy in the Team Mowat and Vicky Wright, who was in Team Newhead. They're all Stranraer curlers. Yeah, and Grant Hardy that was in the men's his family are all related to I think him and Hamilton are cousins so it's quite a close everybody seems to know everybody it's uh, not six degrees of separation in Colin it's lucky if it's one degree of separation <laughs> everybody kind of knows everybody but they're all they're a fabulous bunch and they deserve everything that they've achieved I'm looking forward to seeing them when they come back well when I come back because I'm not allowed to speak to anybody now so once I get back, it'll be good. And uh, Hamilton's sister Megan is actually my PT in Stranraer. So, yeah, that one degree separation, I think, is definitely applicable to the Colin world. It's clearly the place to be, though. Seems like such a successful little place for somewhere that I can't even pronounce. Look at that. Yeah, I'm happy with Stranraer. It's closer than some people have got. <laughs> and we always joke that every good team needs a player from Stranraer because like the other top men's team in Scotland just now is Team White and they've got you and Kyle who plays lead so and then in the past with Team Yorhead Vicky Adams used to play 
And then when Vicky Adams retired, she got Vicky right in. So Eve must have known that I need somebody from Stranraer to be in the team. So I probably shouldn't admit it, but it's probably the only reason I get selected for this team is because I'm from Stranraer. And she loves her well. It doesn't matter how poor a player I am. She just needs a Stranraer player in there. So I'm sure that's not true. I'm, I'm absolutely... I've seen some of your stats. I'm going to say you deserve your place on that squad. So come on, a little bit more confidence, please. We're about to go to a Paralympic Games here. We need some medals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I will give it more and everything and I am pretty confident. But yeah, this Stranraer bit is just a bonus, I think. Absolutely. It's it's the best thing to be proud of where you're from. Absolutely. But you mentioned you're not going to see the guys before you leave. Are you in isolation now? or? Yeah, we're in a little bubble. We're staying at our lodge. It's about an hour from the ice rink and we're just travelling the group that's flying out. The eight of us that are flying out together are just in this little bubble. Welcome to the COVID Games. This is this is what it's all about. Obviously, your preparation is slightly different than it has been in previous games. Mine's definitely was. But how different is it? You know, are you normally at this point mixing with other people, maybe training with the other body guys, or is this kind of what you're used to anyway? Uh, no, last time uh, in Korea in 2018, we actually flew out to Korea and we had ice in Korea and in Seoul. I think we were out. It actually ended up we were only out for about two days. We were supposed to be there for five or six, but we got delayed in Edinburgh because of the snow. So we were actually three days late and flying out. But we went to Seoul and we had a holding camp out there rather than at home. So it's a bit different that way, but it's quite good because... It's actually accommodation is really nice that we've got and the food that we're getting delivered in is really nice. So I'm quite content being here and I think it'll work out for us. I think it feels really good and we're getting down here, we're getting to throw stones and work on things. And yeah, I think it's really good prep, so I'm confident with that. It's great that you're feeling really confident for our games. I know that prior to flying out to Tokyo, I had a lot of kind of questions and worries and oh, what's it going to be like and what are we going to? But um, I know that you guys competed last year at the World Championships out in the same venue that you're going to compete in when you get out to Beijing. Is that right? Yeah. Does that fill you with a bit of confidence that you've um, experienced the venue? Will it? Will that add to your performance a little bit that you know what to expect when you get there? Yeah, I suppose it don't know it's since... I've been in the wheelchair, I've always had an anxiety about travelling and things, but the fact that I've just done it in October and in this world, I'm not sure what was going to happen. So I know what's going to happen, so I'm all prepared for the cotton bud things getting thrown down my throat every night and getting PCR'd all the time. I'm all ready for it and it's really good. The way China run it and the World Championships, they kept us in a bubble. So it was only the teams and the volunteers that were in the venue and things like that so they'd run it really well so it just felt like you're back in the the pre-new normal world and you're just interacting with everybody and talking to each team and things like that and catching up because we hadn't obviously seen a lot of players over the last few years so it's really good so I'm really confident going out this time and also with the support of the BPA as well on top of the set up from the World Championships it's going to be really really good and I'm going to feel really safe and going to enjoy it. Yeah. And do you think the lack of crowd will make any difference to you or you're not really, are you not that bothered? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, I'm not that fussed. Uh, the Chinese national team, they, they all make plenty of noise for everybody. Uh, they like shouting and things like that. So that'll probably be the biggest noise in the venue. But 
our world championships and things. We rarely play in front of big crowds and things, so it'll be it'll be a bit different. Obviously, with the TV cameras and our faces and things like that, but you don't, you know yourself, you don't notice that stuff once you're in that frame of mind and competing. So that'll be good, and it's probably a good thing that we're going to be not in being able to be social with people back home, so I won't get messages and things like that to say, oh, this happened, what's this? And so I can just concentrate on the sport and concentrate on curling. Yeah. So it's a wee bit of benefit from that. Yeah. Won't have to worry about my mum being concerned about me. <laughs> so that'll be good for me. I mean, mentioning your mum, you had your World Championships in at, at home, like literally at home in Scotland in 2019, where you won the silver medal. I mean, let's just discuss for a minute that home crowd feeling because I competed at London 2012 and I think there's nothing like it, but maybe you feel different. Maybe, maybe I mean, I'm getting the feeling that you're not that bothered about a crowd or the pressure of uh, people asking why you did that. So <laughs> maybe you'll prefer it without the home crowd. Yeah, no, it was, 2019 was phenomenal. It's the best world championships. I'm not just saying it because it was here at home. It's the best world championships I've ever been to and the set up and everything and the crowd. And it was all, you didn't really notice it as much when you were on ice, but when you come off ice, and you had people you knew and you're seeing people and things like that. It was really good and people wishing you luck. And my mum and dad never really watched me playing sport. Uh, even when I was younger, they never really seen me play sport. So for them to actually be able to come up and see me competing at that level in person and my sister come up as well, uh, having my family around me, it was really good to be able to show them what I actually do and that I'm not just playing about on ice. Uh, wasting away days I am actually doing something decent so uh, yeah no it was really good having them there and I know I know all the support that I've got back home and uh, the good luck messages and things like that I've had before I go so I'm pretty confident that whatever happens I'll have that support and everybody's proud of me for being there so I'm looking forward to it Absolutely I'm really sure that they are really proud of you but do you feel any extra pressure? Obviously, the silver medal of 2019, the, the Olympic guys have just done absolutely phenomenally well. Does it, do you feel any extra pressure? Because I know, you know, I go to every race and every race, I feel more and more and more pressure. Or do you just handle it better than I do? <laughs> I'd like to say there's not any more pressure. I don't really feel any more pressure, but maybe once we're out there, eh, that maybe help being in the bubble that we won't see the news and we won't be compared to eh, the men's and women's teams from the Olympics uh, so we won't see anything like that uh, but I know that there will be people that are probably looking on that are expecting us to be as good as what they are but we've got, just got to concentrate on what we can do and control what we can, can control and we finished sixth at the World Championships and made the playoffs, you know, that we need to go a little bit better this time and get in the top four we know ourselves what we have to do uh, to get the best out of the one another so if we hit it right on the week, hopefully we can bring back some silverware or bronzeware or goldware uh, to join in with the AB athletes. It would be that would be something phenomenal for the sport and hopefully get more people on ice and playing. I think that's such an amazing way to look at it. Like just get out there, do what you do, and and ultimately just enjoy it. You know, like for years. I have really, like I said, really felt the pressure. I really felt I'm the person that reads every social media comment. I read every newspaper article. 
and you are right like the Paralympic village is it's it's more of a bubble than ever because of covid but that bubble is is very very safe place to be you're not reading i know for me like so and so might beat her or she's she's getting a bit old which is something i'm getting a lot i'd like to point out i'm not even 30 so uh give me time but yeah i think it's a really great way to kind of just stay calm that's the one thing that i've learned throughout my career is just stay calm believe in the training that you've done and and go out and enjoy what you do but um i think at this point I've just noticed I haven't actually mentioned that you are skip. Skip at your second Paralympic Games. I mean, to me, like, I'm I'm going to just admit that I don't know that much about curling, but that's like the captain, right? I don't know that much about it either, to be fair, so we're both in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just blag it. I always think that, yeah, just, be, just look confident when you're doing things and people will think you know what you're doing. They call you skip. Yeah, that's pretty much what's <laughs> happened, I think, but... It's more tactical. You call the game and you call what shots to make and things like that. But it is, it's just a, it's just a name. I think we are four players on ice and four heads, and we've got to really all stick together. And everybody's got a say and things like that. It is a team game. I know that it's one of the things that people look at the Olympians. It's team your head and team Mowat and straight away think it even Bruce. But it's not just them that win things. It's it's the four people on the ice that do it and also the alternate off the ice. Hey, it's glad that Ross and Millie get mentioned because they do the stone marching and things like that the night before. They're up late and up early. Hey, that's why I don't plan on being alternate. I need to keep being good enough to be in the four hey, so that I don't have to stay up late and get up early. I wouldn't sit my, wouldn't sit, I'd lose out of my sleep. So I've got to just keep working hard to stay in the team. But yeah, no, I am proud that I am going to be skipping at the games, but at the end of the day, it's team, it's Paralympics GB, so there's four of us and, well, five of us all together on ice and all the coaches and support staff all contribute equally, so it's, uh, it's definitely not a one-man bandwagon that takes everybody to do it, so I'm looking forward to it and I'm confident that all the other guys have got my back and I've got theirs and we'll do whatever we can. I love that. I'm obviously not really from a team sport, so I'm the kind of person who's like, yeah, I'm captain. I'm the absolute best. Look at me. I go out there and do my thing, but you just seem really proud that you're part of a team and that you're all going to work together. I mean, tell me a bit about your team. Like, who's the one to watch? Who's the cheeky one? Who are you expecting the little trick shops from? Yeah, who've got to watch out for while you're out on, on the on the ice? On the rink? On the ice that's probably or on the rink anything works when we speak about games and ends and things we're getting mixed up we're talking about something we're calling it end boxing we're talking about the boxing and end six and it's like no no it was round six so we just get mixed up all the time but in terms of the team Gregor Ewan uh, who's playing last rocks he's a bronze medalist from Sochi in 2014 so he gets to play the, the what people would say the most important rocks the uh, ones at the end yeah and I'll be playing third rocks, which I actually really like because you get to play risky shots and the sort of non-sensible shots and get to play doubles and triples and runbacks and things. Whereas playing last rocks, you've got to play the boring draws or the open hit. You've just got to play the sensible shots. So yeah, we've got that. We've got Dave, who was a silver medalist at the 2019 Worlds. He's playing second. And Megan dawson Farrell's at her first Paralympics, she's going to be playing lead rocks. Uh, she's come on quite a bit since she joined the programme. So, uh, And then we've got Gary Smith, 
is coming in as alternate. Uh, he's one of the good guys and he's perfect for that role. Uh, unfortunately, Charlotte had to drop out with injury, but uh, Gary brings a lot to the team as well, and he's there for he's there for a bit of joy and better keeps his spirits up and always helpful. So yeah, no, it's a good good dynamic amongst the team and really looking forward to it. So you mentioned Megan Dawson Farrell there. I actually used to race with Megan. She raced at the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow in 2014. Uh, I raced against Megan for years. She was one of the first ever girls I saw on the track. Uh, she was one of the girls that inspired me to start racing. So I actually don't know how Megan made the switch from wheelchair racing to, to wheelchair curling. Um, but I think it's actually a really good chance right now to kind of... I'm, I'm hoping that people are going to watch the Paralympic Games out in Beijing and they're going to go, you know what, I want to try that. I want to have a go. So what is your advice to anyone who wants to give wheelchair curling a go? How would you recommend they get involved? I mean, is it sitting in a pub playing, playing dominoes and just hope for the best? Or is there a... a a more, you know, convenient way to get involved. The most convenient way, there's a website, tricurling.com. Uh, you just put details in there and that'll tell you where your nearest ice rink is. And unfortunately, I was in Stranraer, but I think all the rinks have sort of development officers and people there that'll help introduce you to curling and things. So I think most of the rinks in Scotland are all accessible uh, and wheelchair-friendly. So definitely just go on to tricarlin.com and it'll give you where to go and there's quite a few wheelchair clubs up and down the country to get involved with. I would definitely highly recommend it and just get in amongst people and just see what you can do and prove me right that you can be a lot better than what I am. I'm, I'm going to say, you're about to go to Paralympic Games. Please fill us with confidence that you are the best. That's why you've been selected for the best team in the world. I just want to ask you a little bit about the training. Um, I'm gonna guess it's very different to my training. My training is literally just push for miles and hope for the best. And I feel like the hope for the best thing is is definitely part of your mantra. But if people are going to come along, you know, they, they get the bug, they fall in love with wheelchair curling. What can they expect? You know, to get your level. What what do you guys put in the hours, the time, the the training? What does it look like? We are fortunate, thanks to the national lottery. We're basically full time athletes. I don't think Charlie used to work, but uh, she took a year out, so we're funded to be full time athletes, and it's uh, it's pretty much six days a week. We spend Tuesday to Thursdays in Stirling uh, and we've got probably about 10 hours worth of ice session in that time. We've also got off-ice stuff like CV sessions and gym sessions for strength. We work with psychology and nutritionists when we're here as well. Then when we're back at home, I'll do my PT on a Monday and Friday. I'll go out and do my park run on a Saturday and I'm also on ice in Stranraer on the Monday or the Friday, I try and get on ice, so it turns into a six-day week, but it's worth it, and it's, yeah, I'm going to Beijing because I'm one of the best wheelchair curlers in the world, and I'm going to represent GB, so, I mean, the goals are there, and it's just, it's incredible, so I would definitely say that every minute, every pizza that I've turned down in the last four years has been worth it, so I think it's definitely... Definitely something to get involved with. And yeah, you can get to the pinnacle. You can get to the top of the world with a bit of hard work. Totally agree. And I 
I'm very, very excited. So Hugh, tell me a little bit about your life outside of sport. We all know you're an athlete, but actually we don't get to sell ourselves as anything more than that. You know, when I speak, it's it's always about wheelchair racing. It's never about anything outside of that. And to be totally honest, I struggle with this question a lot because all I feel like I do is, is wheelchair racing. So feel free to go you know what, I just I just do wheelchair curling, like that's me. I think there's no there's no shame in that. There's no shame in being an athlete. Um but yeah, tell us a bit more about Hugh outside when he's not on the ice and maybe when, you know, he's a little bit warmer. I left school, joined the merchant navy. Teachers told me I would never make a living out of looking out a window, so I thought I'd prove them wrong and qualified as a deck officer in the merchant navy and spent my time looking out a window, not crashing any boats. Uh, and then after doing that, I got a MS. I was diagnosed with MS back in 2006 and sort of progressed badly uh, for a few years. At that point, I was managing a betting shop uh, back in Stranraer. Uh, and that was my MS led me to being in the wheelchair full time. So I had to retire from that. I'm a big football fan and I'm a big rugby fan. Just love sport. Can sit and put one on anything and really and watch it. I've got a season ticket. Uh, for Rangers and I've got a season ticket for Glasgow Warriors and the rugby so I try and get along there and get to Scotland games and things so I'm sitting I'm enjoying the I enjoyed the first weekend of the Six Nations not so much the second weekend but the first weekend was really good I really enjoyed that <laughs> unfortunate enough that when we get back we're getting back in time for the last weekend of the Six Nations so I've already arranged to go and have a couple of shandies and watch the final day of the Six Nations when we get back uh, with my friends and also celebrate my 40th birthday which took place uh, a month or so ago uh, I turned up milestone so looking forward to a chance to actually go and celebrate it and hopefully with a bit of uh, metal to celebrate it with well happy birthday for starters I mean imagine planning things for after a games how rude you're supposed to be just thinking about that and that's it million dollar question if you could do any other sport, any other sport, what would you do? I played football and rugby when I was at school and I was bang average at rugby and I was even worse at football. I kind of think that when I watch it now, I sort of, I want to play rugby more. I always get the feeling that I'd rather be out on the rugby pitch. But then I see people getting smashed and I kind of think, no, I'd rather go to football because you barely get touched and you can lie down. So as I'm getting older... I think I would I would like to move over to Dubai and play football there in the heat uh, and just enjoy kicking a ball around. That would be that would have been my dream, I think. Football is probably the dream sport. Okay, I'm dream big. Well, go for it. Why not? But okay, so you said you were bang average at football. I'm going to say I would I just would eternally have been terrible at it. Um but okay, that first time you picked up a curling stone were you just an immediate, you know, you say you, you hit one and then 300 misses. Were you an immediate talent or is this like, is this just years of hard work? I mean, I, I didn't get in a race chair and was immediately the best in the world. Far from it. But people seem to look at elite athletes like yourself and they go, ah, they must have just been good at it from the start. And it's it's just not the truth. So tell the truth. Were you just the best from the beginning uh, should we all just step back and, and not give this a go? 100% it's all hard work. There's obviously some sort of talent there, but I guess it's more determination, I think, to achieve it and keep working hard and get there. 
that's why I say anybody should go along and try it. And you just don't know how far that sport can take you. How did winning that silver medal at the World Championships feel? I can never put it into words, so maybe you can do it better than I can. <laughs> I don't know. It was quite a funny year. We had a bit of change in the team and we went into the championships. We weren't really expected. We weren't really fancied. So I don't know if the home crowd had a bit of behind us. I don't know if that made a difference. But we just we started off quite slow, but then we sort of got on a crest of a wave and we were just picking up wins and picking up wins. And then we made it through to the playoffs. I think we finished third in the round robin. And then we managed to get into the semi-final game and then we got into the final game against China. And I don't know, it was funny going out against China. Was, you wanted to win the gold and then when it finished and you lost, you're just gutted. And it's the contrast compared to uh, Pyeongchang in 2017 when we won the bronze. It's like you won the bronze. Even though the silver's a bit, it was like, but you lost the gold. It's that difference in that sort of mentality so it's almost like afterwards it takes a bit of time to sink in and I'm sure that uh, Bruce and the boys they'll probably be thinking the same thing it'll probably take a bit of time to realise that getting a silver medal is a huge achievement uh, it's incredible if somebody offers you a silver or bronze before the start of an event you're going to take the silver every time but you're not going to feel great afterwards for a bit of time until you can actually reflect and look back and say, yeah, no, I was in the second best team in the world. Yeah, so it's it's something that sticks with me and, and it's one of the medals that I actually know where it is in my house. Yeah, most of the other wee things get lost and put in cupboards and put in drawers and things like that. But yeah, no, I know where my world silver medal is sitting, so it's something that I'm incredibly proud of. And would you say that that's your driving force now? You want to go, you want to go to Beijing. You want to be the absolute best, and it's literally down to that silver medal. I mean, I got a silver medal once, and I I don't know where it is. So I'm going to let you know that you're going to know where your gold is at all times. <laughs> yeah, you rub it in that your silver medal. You don't know where that is. It's a pride in my life. It's like the proudest thing ever. But for you, it's just like ah, silver medal. Who needs them? I, I can lose them. Hopefully one day I can also make my silver medal disappear and when somebody asks me one day we have a silver medal I'll be like, I don't know, but my gold medal's sitting there. So, yeah, but that is the absolute dream to complete the collection. I've got a bronze, I've got a silver, a gold is what I want and a gold is not going to settle for anything else. The whole team's just focused on it and we've maybe not been at the top for the last few years, but we're all absolutely driven to do as best we can and we know that on our day we can't be anybody so hopefully it all comes together at the right time and the Paralympics is the right time for it to come together so we're all working hard and hopefully I can get that other bit of uh, metal wheel that looks a wee bit shinier on my mantelpiece and yeah I can bend myself a medal and say I don't know where that is anymore that's, that's a dream You've now inspired me, Hannah. You're now my inspiration. I want to one day not know where myself a medal is. That is my dream. You are absolutely welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's when people, if I win the gold and people ask me in your sport inspire me, I'm going to say Hannah Goldcroft. She inspired me to not want to know where myself a medal is. That's going to be my dream. <laughs> well, you know what? I genuinely think you've got all the drive it takes to win a gold medal and the team just sounds so close and so prepared to get out there and, and give it the absolute best shot. So good luck. Enjoy it. 
Tokyo was incredible and I'm sure Beijing is just going to be just as amazing. So, yeah, thank you for being my first guest as well. Thank you for having me. We got through it. Thanks again to Hugh Niblo. Honestly, if they can win gold medals as easy for Paralympics GB as he could making me laugh, then we are onto a winner. What a funny guy. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss updates to this podcast series. For more info, head to paralympics.org.uk and follow us on the socials at Paralympics GB. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. The Paralympics GB podcast with Hannah Cockcroft. Beijing 2022.